Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussion of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Guess what time it is? It's time for crime! Travis Alexander was a good-looking, charismatic entrepreneur and motivational speaker. He was enjoying good health, financial success, world travel, and a bustling social life. Then he met Jody in a Las Vegas convention, and his life changed. Travis's life began and ended with tragedy. In this episode, we'll be answering these few questions. What does CTR mean? What famous birthday does she share? And are you Mormon marriage material? Stay tuned. Hey guys, I bet you missed us. This is Vanny. And this is Kat. Hey, so we're glad to be back and we got to start with, how was your weekend, Kat? Oh, it was great. We got to go out and do some camping, finally. Yay. Get out in the, the great Northwoods. So. That's great. Yeah. Good time. Get, get away from all the walls and buildings and, and people. People. Exactly. How's <laughs> going? I was leading to that. Yep. yep. Get <laughs> rid away. of people. Yes. 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 Nothing like the fresh air, right? No people makes cat very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Makes the cat go meow. (laughs) No, no, makes me purr. (laughs) Good. I'm glad you got some time to yourselves. And Peter and I just went out to New Mexico to go visit my family out in the ranch. It was good to see some family and party literally day in and day out. (sighs) Let's just talk about it. I'm tired. Yeah. (laughs) Brother and sis and folks are okay? Yeah, everybody's doing good. Everybody's doing pretty good. Lionel starts his new job, and so he's really excited. He's going into solar energy. All right. The job of sun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm proud for him, so that's good. May it always shine. That'll be good, too. But before we get diving into uh, this week's episode, I wanted to give a big shout out. I noticed... On our webpage, you had posted that wonderful picture of the glove. Who oh. does that remind you of? And put up uh, some trivia questions yes. regarding Mr. Uh, O.J. Simpson. So uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to somebody who went ahead and answered the questions and got 100%. So I'd like to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Diane Stevens from Eugene, Oregon. Say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We, we appreciate your uh, participation and congratulations because you nailed it. Yes, ma'am, you sure did. I love it because I every time I pull out a glove and I go, was OJ Simpson in my house today? <laughs> what happens if you find a sparkly one? You're looking for Michael, Michael Jackson? Jackson? Yes, exactly. Michael <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like just one little piece of item can make you remember either a case or a person or something. Yeah, does it kind of scare you that neither one of us, if we see a glove, think of baseball, we just go right to OJ, OJ and yeah. Michael? That's pretty weird. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Well, we do want to let everyone know that this is going to be a two-part episode. We have something really exciting for everybody that asked me about this case. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't too excited about doing this uh, just because we felt like there was enough attention given to this and not in the best way, not to the right people that should have gotten the attention. Yeah, So, but thanks to listener requests and we do listen to you. This first part we're going to talk, uh, we are going to be talking about our infamous... 
Jodi Aries. <laughs> she is definitely somebody that became famous after murder. Absolutely. But we also wanted to uh, bring some attention to the forgotten part of the case and the equation. And that was Travis Alexander, who was the unfortunate victim. Everything from the moment that his body was found was all about Jody. Yes, the minute the media got wind of this whole case, it just blew up and things got out of control with it being a focus about her and not about the actual family or the person that lost his life. Yeah, nothing about the victims. There was such so many lies, so much distortion that I just felt like we really needed to address some of the issues that were just never addressed because this this just blew up. It was a media firestorm. It was international. It blew up on social media. And I just don't think that you need to get that much attention for something so heinous. Exactly. We're going to start this first episode to be a little more focused about Jody, about Travis, how they met, and what led to the next steps where everybody found out about who Jody and Travis were. We just want to give a little background. So I'll have our lovely host, Miss Kat, start with Travis because he's going to be the famous person in our version of this case. Travis Alexander was a good-looking, charismatic entrepreneur and motivational speaker, and he had really pulled his life together with the help of his grandmother. He was born uh, to parents who both of them were addicted to drugs. And so Travis had seven, I think there were seven brothers or seven siblings total. Uh, He was the closest with Stephen. And they just basically had to fend for themselves. He grew up poor. He was bullied in school. People made fun of his looks. His parents were completely neglectful. He had to feed himself and his siblings, which usually meant heating up ramen noodles. So he had finally had enough, and he ran away at the age of 10. And so they found him and brought him back, and it was his grandmother that stepped up, and she decided to take all of the the children with her into her care. And that's how she introduced Travis to the church. I love his grandmother's name, Norma Jean, because it makes me think of Marilyn Monroe, another tragedy case. But Norma Jean, yes, bless her soul that she's definitely left us as well. But just like to mention, her name was Norma Jean Preston Alexander Sarve. She was born in 1932, by the way. Thankfully, uh, she took the kids in After introducing Travis to the church, he was able to find acceptance, support, friends, purpose, and accomplishment. He he never had that, you know, trying to fend for himself. So here he was in the church, and he was accepted, and he had goals and things to do, and it really helped shape him into the dynamic young man that that he grew up to be. And by the way, for other listeners, I know most of you might know this case, but when Kathy's saying the church, I mention this because I'm also was a, or at one point, a member of this church, and it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I also was Mormon, so we have some bonus stuff for you today. Yeah, for we take advantage of it. So we know this is a true crime podcast and not a religious podcast, but <laughs> there are some things that overlap in our details that make this case and why things kind of went the way they went. And I think it also helps answer a lot of questions that people have about the religion, about Travis maybe upbringing, his background, and maybe the way his demeanor was, like why he was such a great guy, why people got along with him, has a lot to do with the morals that are taught within 
Yeah, some of the decisions he made. Correct. Some of the things he wrestled with Mm -hmm. in this relationship. Plays a big part in why he acted the way he did, or maybe he felt that he couldn't open up to his inner feelings about things as well. True. Should we answer a few warming questions? You asked me those questions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I do know in the Mormon religion, there are certain things that are prohibited, such as alcohol, tobacco, tea, coffee, and of course, drugs. But I did have a question. I have a little caffeine off to the side with a question mark because that's a (laughs) relatively new thing. As I'm drinking this. It tickles me. (laughs) that all these things were taboo until an event happened. (laughs) It's funny because this is one actually probably the first questions that most people that are in the church get asked is, what's up with caffeine? Why not coffee? Why not tea? Some Mormons are like extreme and say no soda as well because there are some Mormons that do not drink soda. If they do, it's usually Sprite because it has no caffeine in it. So the teachings within the churches, caffeine is a something that people can get addicted to. That's one of the reasons why they do not drink anything with caffeine, such as tea and coffee. It becomes an addiction. Yeah, because the reason that I had heard, and I could be completely wrong, was that Mormons believe like their body is a temple yes. and they want to keep it pure and healthy and in the best possible shape. It does definitely play a part in that, but it is a form of like also protecting your thought process, right? Sometimes when people that drink coffee, like when I went out this whole, like did not drink coffee for the longest time because I, I didn't grow up Mormon. I joined the church much later in time. I did drink coffee when I was growing up. That's a huge part of my culture is coffee. So to not drink coffee, I definitely went through this withdrawals of coffee, but I know it definitely fogged my thinking process. And I know that for a lot of teachings within the church, it's also drinking caffeine fogs your your ability to think straight or think clearly. Wow, because there's a misnomer for us coffee drinkers that caffeine helps you stay awake and be bright and... Bushy-tailed? Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, I'm thinking with extra clarity. Yes. So that, that helps, hopefully helps answer the first question. Yeah, that did. And then I was also surprised to find out that uh, Mormons only celebrate two holidays. Mm. So let me see what holidays you found. Well, when I was checking into it, it appears that they celebrate Easter and Christmas. That is the two main holidays that I would say they celebrate. I mean, they celebrate birthdays. They're not like Jehovah Witnesses that don't celebrate any holidays or celebrations. They do. I mean, those are two of the main focuses, but they do do Fourth of July and all the other holidays. So it's kind of hard to say that they only do these two because. But that's their big ones. Yeah, those are their two big ones. Can non-Mormons attend temple weddings? Temple weddings usually require you to have and access to get into the temple, first of all, you require is a temple recommend. And in order to get a temple recommend, you have to follow certain, I wouldn't say rules because they're not rules, but, you know, they... Like a guideline? A guideline, right. A guideline. So when I first joined the church, I was able to get a, a recommend to go do baptismals, but I couldn't go into the main part of the temple. And the reason that is why is that, you know, you have to pay tithing, you have to do charity work, you have to practice the law of chastity. There's a lot of things being a single person in the church that they want to prepare you to go into the temple because the teachings that are in the temple are really something that you need to be prepared to, you know, to listen to and take serious because it's something a serious matter. Like if you look back in times when temples existed in ancient old, you know, Bible times, 
it was a holy place. And so they try to to keep that, that you have a purity mind that you're going into the temple with. That so. you're ready to accept the teachings and what happens. Correct. So, Interesting. So in order to attend a wedding in the, being held in the temple, which they're called ceilings, they require you to have a temple recommend, a full temple recommend. Wow. So if you're a real devout Mormon and really following your, your practice and your religion, then getting having a temple wedding is definitely something that you're striving for. Oh, yeah. As a couple. It's, it's like pushed immediately after you do your missionary. <laughs> after you do your mission, after you do your mission, you're like, next step is it's time for you to get married, have babies. You know, Mormons really believe in families are forever. You come down to this world to ex- have experiences, but the one thing you take with you back is your experiences and your family. Having a family is important. Wow, because I know that they are very much into uh, family history. Yes. Genealogy. I don't know about you, but for me, I've always been curious about where I came from, my family background. Like, yes, growing up, my grandfather used to always say, you know, oh, we came from Spain. But I really didn't know my dad's side of the family either. But growing up, people used to always think I was Chinese or Japanese. (laughs) You know, I was always curious about this. And so when 23andMe came out, I couldn't wait to do this DNA thing and come to find out I do have some Chinese and Korean. <laughs> really? <'Cause laughs> the look like, on your face. Because <laughs> well, I just like, when I look at you, I was like these big, round, beautiful brown eyes. I'm like, how are people getting Chinese? I don't know. That is not what I even think of. I think it's also my makeup. When I don't wear makeup, I def- my eyes, you can definitely tell the difference. So, I mean, I've seen you both and I'm like, I'm, You're like, like I can't, I, I've, I've never looked at you and went, oh my God, there's Asian in there. Yeah, uh, your eye. You, so you can't see her, but her eyes are beautiful. <laughs> His beautiful brown eyes, and I'm like, I never ever looked at them with or without makeup, and went, boy, she got some aging in there, don't you, girl? <laughs> <laughs> His funny thing is that we used to tease Lionel for the longest time. We used to tell him his real dad was Jackie Chan. Oh my God! And so there's a picture that I have when we went to the wax museum of Lionel standing next to Jackie Chan. He swear, swear, looks like his his dad. That is the craziest thing ever. So, what other questions do you have about? that most people you think would ask about the church? I know missions are always a mystery. You're always hearing about, oh, they're going on missions, and it's a big celebratory thing with families. I know they're very proud. Yes. Is it both sexes? What do they do? It is both sexes now. They recently, when I was in the church, they did change the age for the women, that they can go at a younger age. They used to have to wait till they were like 20 or 21 before they could serve a mission. But the men start serving as soon as they're 18. And the really exciting thing about when they serve a mission is that they submit their name and information to the church. And then like the prophets and the elders within the church, they sit around and they pull the names and then they say like, they pray on it for like, I don't know how many days or hours. I want to say days. And they do the callings. And so you get a letter in like a big envelope and they do this whole big like reveal with all the family of where they're going to be doing their mission call at. And so when they open up their envelope, it's really exciting for a lot of the families because they don't know where their child's going to get sent out to. And they're gone for two years. Women are sent out for 18 months, but the men are, are for two years. The only time they can call home is if it's a real huge emergency. Outside of that, it's the two holidays, our Mother's Day and Christmas. Wow. So they could serve like anywhere? Anywhere in the world they get sent. So wow. So who you are a parent, like so proud, but Junior goes and he's, whether it's Mexico, Canada, or who knows, the other side of the globe. And that's it. He's gone for two years. Yeah. I mean, Travis 
did a mission. He served for two years. He was in, uh, from what I did research on, in Colorado. Oh, well, that's not too far away. He didn't go too far, yeah. I really dug, <laughs> I was really looking for it for the longest time because I was thinking, I wonder if he spoke Spanish because a lot of people from my ward when I was going to school, a lot of them spoke Spanish better than I did. They were teaching me <laughs> and they were like Caucasian families. Yeah. Wow. Shocking. So that leads up to another question when you said, you know, the word ward, how do they divide up the, the regional area? So at the time when I joined the church, I was in a young singles ward, which means if you're 18 and above to 31, you could be in a singles ward. So that means that you're not married. The minute you become married, you and your spouse goes into a family ward. Oh, and here, silly me, I thought it was geographical. No. there is, Now, there is geographical ones for the family wards, but for the young single adults ward that I was in, it was area. So I was a part of the Goodyear uh, singles ward. Oh. Yeah, so I, I thought it was interesting to be able to find where he, El, Elder Alexander, served his mission at. Oh, and I have a note here to ask you, what is a CTR ring? So the CTR ring is a ring to help remind you of your principles, your guiding principles. So it's like when you wear that ring, it's supposed to remind you of like to live on these guidelines that, you know, to keep you temple recommend, um, like ready, 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 like right to be ready or to be able to keep that temple recommend. It's a reminder that ring, but CTR alone stands for something. And as, a, as I, as when we talked about it earlier, I remembered what it meant. Now I'm drawing a blank. It'll come to me. <laughs> She'll remember later in the podcast. Yes. But you know, interesting, Travis, you know, really believed in this and he gave one to Jody. So he really felt that Jody, you know, maybe wearing that ring would help her in whatever battles she was going through. Yeah. Wow. And I know Mormonism and I, I'm sure lots of religions do as well, but Mormonism kind of suffers from kind of like splinter groups that kind of spin off and just get really weird and kind of give the church a bad name because they're off doing stuff that the church is just like, that is not even what we're about. That's not even us. And then some of the fundamentalists back in the way back early time mm -hmm. with the whole uh, polygamy and different things, folks like Jeff Warren oh that gosh. really go by the absolute like total beginnings of Mormonism, you know, and that just plays havoc on today's modern culture. Exactly. It, because people think immediately that they hear Mormon, that it encompasses all Mormons. So it's not. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you talk about Mormonism, people are like, oh, that's that group that has all the wives. Now there is that, there is that, you know, the Correct. splinter groups like Jeff Warren and I do believe that he was finally arrested and he's doing some prison time. He sure is. For abuse and a bunch of other things. So. Oh, by the way, CTR means choose the right. Oh, well, doesn't that make sense? I know, right? Choose the right. Choose oh, my the right. God. There That's we go. That's what it's supposed to mean. All right. Well, didn't want, right. To, didn't want to bore you with a whole religious class or anything, but there were just some ideas popular in the Mormon church that I thought would be important to help understand the story and some of the decisions that Alex went through as he unfolded into this relationship. And now let's talk a little about Jody's upbringing and kind of where she came from. From my finding, I found that, you know, she was born on July 9th in Salinas, California. And do you know who she shares a birthday with? No, I have no idea. I did not look up her birthday. You did not? I did not. Okay. All our listeners are going to love this. I was too busy looking up her mayhem. OJ Simpson. Hello, we just talked about him. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> How many times is O.J. Simpson going to come into this podcast? We're going to have to do his case, I guess. I don't know. Oh, my God. Courtney Love, Amanda Knox, and Stephen <sighs> Avery. Huh? 
they all share birthdays and she's i'm a big i like astrology as much as you do she's a cancer oh that says a lot right there so we have oh my god this has just turned out to be weird so we have travis alexander's grandma norma jean and now we have jody has the same birthday as oj mm-hmm. i know <laughs> What is that? The what do you call it? How did I not see that coming? The six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes. Again. Sorry, Mr. Bacon. Yes. Six <laughs> degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> wow. She came from a very loving family. She and her family did a lot of family portraits together. She grew up with her mom and parents being very involved in her life. So, you know, it's very hard. I can see why as growing up from a very loving family and seeing why she was attracted to the Mormon culture and why she probably found something in Travis that she didn't probably find in her other, other ex-boyfriends. Not to give Jody a lot of credit, but I definitely can see coming from not being Mormon, joining the religion and meeting other Mormon men. I immediately definitely found a standard that I wanted my future husband to be like. That's why I married Peter, Jesus's best friend. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just thought it'd make a joke. But uh, yeah, that I could definitely see her reasoning on why she felt that, you know, he was such a respectful man. He respected her, you know, out in public. He uh, what happened behind closed doors was a different story. But in public, he was a true gentleman. So that was definitely something I bet that caught her attention about him. Her and Alexander met in September of 2006. And, you know, whose birthday is in September? Oh Yours no. truly. <laughs> Man, there's like so many connections. I don't know what to think here. You know, it's found interesting that they met doing the prepaid legal services. And you would think, I'm wondering if this is where Jody got the ideas of a lot of stuff when it came down to trial. Was like she pulling stuff from what she learned from prepaid legal services? You know, I, I don't know because my understanding was she was an amateur photographer and she got herself a camera and she wanted to be a photographer, but realized that she had a long way to go and needed to support herself and was looking for jobs when she came upon this prepaid legal service. And it was my understanding through the research that she was a salesman. She was selling the prepaid legal service. Okay. So I, I don't think that she was like a paralegal. She was just saying, hey, you know, this is a prepaid service. You pay X amount of money. We can do a will. We can do a simple trust. We can do a, a no-fault, easy divorce, those kind of things. You know, set up an LLC, those kind of things that are easy to set up that paralegals can do. That And so I thought she was, much like Travis, a salesman I think, selling yeah. the service. It's possible. But, you know, as a, you know, coming from a background of being a salesperson, sometimes you get too involved into your job that maybe she started pulling things from what well, she could, may have it learned. It could be. It could be. So they met at a conference in good old Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, people. What I found also really interesting is that they met in Vegas, but they also went to dinner at the Rainforest Cafe. Cafe. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting to, to have dinner be talking at yeah. the Rainforest Cafe. Here we are in Vegas. And of all they're places. at the Rainforest Cafe. I don't know. That's not my choice. Yeah. I mean, I'm not dissing Rainforest Cafe by any means. But, <laughs> but that's, I mean. I don't want to hear from their legal department. I'm just thinking it's Vegas. I mean, yeah, you've you, got the Bellagio. You've, you've got, got so many other places <laughs> you could have gone that you would think. Yeah. Well, you know, let's go eat somewhere nice. I mean, they're, they're for a conference. I don't know. I don't know. But, Is that part of Mormonism? Frug frugalness. I'm not, know, I'm not making fun. I'm just, you know, frugal. I would say, because a lot of people that did work for, I guess, prepaid legal, a lot of them were Mormon. I think 
Rainforest Cafe doesn't really sell alcohol, maybe? I don't know. Well, I don't know, but I, I kind of got the impression that... Family. Well, it's family, but Mormon also, they don't, they're not flashy people. Mm-mm. They're they're down to earth. They live they live by their means. They're not out spending outrageous amounts of money. So in that respect, it would make sense that he would take her to a more moderate place yeah. to go eat. Absolutely. I mean, some of the men that are very involved in the church, like I never would have thought that they were engineers. It wasn't until I got like a LinkedIn friend request one time or LinkedIn request that I'm like, you're an engineer? Like, I didn't even know that. Them are in t- are aerospace engineers. You attract engineers. I do. I have a thing it's for like engineers. you hung out at a train station or something. My understanding was that Jody was dating somebody at the time that they met. And so was she being faithful to this other man or did she break up with this guy to be with Travis? Like, I, I don't understand, like, the dynamic of what happened in that relationship. But they definitely started talking and apparently seeing each other. To the point that Jody felt um, that she wanted to become a Mormon. The impression that I got from doing the research was once they were introduced, it's like those two locked eyes and that the rest of the world ceased to exist. Right. It was just about them. And so, you know, they had met, they were getting to know each other a little bit. And after meeting Jody, Travis went and sent some missionaries to her house, kind of talk to her, find out like where she was, Mm -hmm. you know, in the world. And then when they would get together, well, they used to, because she was in California and he was in Arizona, they used to use uh, his friend's house to meet because the house was more in the middle. So they used Chris Hughes' house to meet and interact. And so after they would meet and get together, he spent a lot of time talking about the Book of Mormon And he quoted a lot of scriptures to her, and he did a lot of reading. And after several months, uh, she decided to convert. And then he he actually went ahead and baptized her. Yeah, because he definitely could. He's an elder. Because there's a lot of, I don't want to say friction, but or contention, because he was very devout Mormon, and she was not. Mm -hmm. So in order to be more inclusive and be around her, I think that was part of his decision to go ahead and baptize her and get her into more of his circle right? and kind of help her out. At the same time, I think she was like, I'm really digging this guy. I like him. So if this is what I have to do to be with him, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to do. So I think he was looking to help better her, help her make better decisions in life and have her grow as a person. Right. And I think he also was looking like, if I'm going to be seeing this person that I'm really into, I'm digging, I like her. Like My family and friends might not appreciate that she's not Mormon. They're going to ask me, like, why haven't you talked to her about the church? And second, he wants to look at long term, right? And so you're taught in the church to, first thing you should do is get married. Time for you to go get married. I think that was also for him to kind of see whether she was going to be fit to be his wife. Right. And then that sort of brought up one of the biggest conflicts for Travis was uh, they started having sex and premarital sex in the Mormon church is a big no-no. But when I was doing research, I found out that being a young charismatic male, he had several kind of darker fantasies Mm-hmm. rougher sex, some um, things that he wanted to do and, and act out. And I, I got the sense that he had some things he kind of want to experiment with, kind of get out of his system, go through it, 
right. so that then he could then focus back on getting married and his religion. And Jody appeared to be all too happy to indulge his fantasy and do what he wanted. So on one hand, here he was an elder in the Mormon church doing all the things he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then over here, he's with Jody doing their stuff. Getting all the naughty thoughts he's ever had. Because once he got married, I'm sure his wife was going to probably brought up in the church that she would know, you know, what should be right and what's wrong. And I think he just, he had some wild oats to sow. I think he was a little conflicted. He wanted to do his thing and then come back to the church and just, you know, be real solid. Right. But he was very, very, very conflicted. I mean, think about it too. He also, his parents, look at his parents' upbringing, right? He saw that, right? How old was he? He was like, what did you say, 10? Mm-hmm. Um, until he moved in with his grandmother. So you saw, he probably saw a lot of things that maybe led him to have those dark thoughts or made him think, is this okay? Is that something that I'm interested in? I need to know, you know, maybe that's where that led from or came from. Yeah. And I think he wanted to do some soul searching because once he found his, his mate, then they were just going to toe the line and be through because while he's experimenting and doing all this stuff with, with Jody, he deep down inside because of his religion and his upbringing and his teaching, he wanted to marry a virginal, pure Mormon girl. So I have some conflicting like personal as, you know, being brought into the church. Like I guess I kind of saw Jody's perspective because not growing up in the church and not knowing these things, why is this man saying that he loves me, cares about me, wants to be with me, yet hides of the things that are happening behind closed doors? Like, why are we talking about this with the bishop? Why are we not doing the things that he told me we should be doing versus enabling and living his like sexual fantasies through me? And so I would see why she could be mad or get angry as a woman. And going into this religion. Right. And here's Travis, you know, walking that tightrope because, you know, he had to be pure and he wanted to marry in the temple and already having sex with Jody outside the temple pretty much eliminated her from the running. Only I don't think Jody really understood that level. Correct. I don't think she did either. You know, once she got baptized, I think she felt that that was her ticket that she was going to move forward into the relationship because from the date that was official of when they decided they were going to call each other a couple, you know, she got, uh, they met September 2006, November 26, 2006. She was baptized. And then February 2nd of 2007 is when they became a couple. And that's when things started to take a turn. Right. And after that, the two broke up around June 29th of 2007. So they had this on and off I guess, dynamic in between them. Yeah. And his friends just really kept bringing it to his attention. And they were like, you know, she was very possessive. She had to be sitting right next to him. She didn't want anybody else intruding on the conversation. She became increasingly creepy to his friends. They, his friends reported to him that they were seeing her. She would stand outside the bathroom and listen to his phone call. So like if he wanted to make a private call, he like had to go in the bathroom to get away from her. And here she is outside eavesdropping and listening to her phone calls. She was also seen multiple times going through his phone and social media accounts. I have to say that I know where that kind of stemmed from being a part of the church has a lot to do with a trust, right? Like 
she came from the outside world where the boyfriend, it's not normal for your boyfriend to be texting other women. That is not okay. In the Mormon church, everyone's friends and it's seen innocent. If a man's texting another woman and they're single, it doesn't mean that they want to have sex. It means they're really generally friends. They grew up together. Their parents are probably friends and they see each other literally as a brother and sister. So I can see maybe coming from the outside, like they, they call it the outside world into the church were that she didn't trust him and she wanted to listen to his, his phone calls or wanted to read his texts or his emails because she didn't feel like she could trust him because maybe previously she was in relationships where men were cheating on her. I'm just pulling that out of my, you know, yeah, like no, said, that's, putting, that's interesting. That, that's putting a really my nice perspective. Perspective as, like I said, putting myself in kind of not her shoes, but like as joining the church perspective. Because holding on to that thought, she would even find emails between Travis and other women and email them to herself. Correct. So again, like the outside trust issue. Yes. That's something that, you know, and most of them were Mormon women. So that thought of you know, I can't trust him because he's probably cheating on me behind my back. He's talking to these all these women. And it's very normal for Mormons to be very like Mexicans, huggy, kissy, like we touch each other's hands. Like Mormons will be like, they'll hold your hand the whole time. Like they just really want to be in that moment. And they'll sincerely look you in the eyes and you'd be like, what is up with this person? Like you are a weirdo. You need to back it off. Six feet, six, six feet. feet. No. Yeah. Don't you have, have you ever heard of COVID? <laughs> That's what Peter always says. Have you heard about COVID, bro? Uh, so, you know, I definitely could see where that jealousy would stem from. She probably took it as, oh, this girl's flirting with my man. Like, what the heck? She's being territorial, right? So, Oh, see, and that's a whole perspective I wouldn't have had because she just really looked like she was like extra Psycho. crazy. Yes. And I think that that's one of the things that I kind of got excited about being able to, like, once I got into the case that I did see that. I, I thought about it and I said, yeah, if I probably would have dated a Mormon when I was dating and I really was joining the church because of a man, I could see those things. There's not many instances where I could think, at least from my perspective, being from the outside, that a man could freely text another woman and not have anybody go, oh yeah, well, it's just, you know, they, well, they've known each other since first grade. And I think even for like my relationship with my husband now, I didn't really struggle hard with him texting women because I came from that world where I trusted you. You never given me a reason to not trust you. Now, like previous before I was Mormon and going into the Mormon world and seeing, you know, Jody's perspective and, you know, trying to put my her glasses on, I could see where the jealousy came from or the not trusting uh, Travis. And I could be annoying for Travis as a man, like as a guy, he'd be like, what the heck, psycho? Like I'm texting my friends. Like these are people I grew up with. You've known that they're my best friend. Why are you freaking out? Men and women all hung out together. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are people in their 20s and 30s. We're all hanging out. We're adults. We're just hanging out. You always see it in groups. It's never like one guy and all the women. It's not like that ever. It's always like a bunch of guys and a bunch of girls. Always. And it's always in a public place or it's at somebody's house where there's older adult around. Yeah, which is interesting because if you contrast that to like the Catholic church, it was always the men are in this room, the women are in this room. Mm-hmm. And young people were not together unless there was like 12 chaperones. <laughs> like everybody's got to stare and make sure there's no hanky. But we need to see everybody's hands. Exactly. Now seeing it as them as a couple and putting those perspectives, I, it definitely opened up my eyes a little bit more for like, you know, where that mistrust from Jody came or, you know, the where she felt that she needed 
I mean, I don't feel like it's okay that you should be going through your man's emails and forwarding to yourself and, and responding to the emails on Travis's behalf. Yeah. So then things move along from the emails and searching the phone. Friends actually went so far as to tell Travis that not only did they think that she was dangerous, but they describe the look on her face as evil and that there was a rage in her eyes. And friends thought that she might burn down the house with them in it. That's so the, these scary. are people outside of the relationship that are picking this. this up. And it wasn't one person. He had a handful of friends. Different times, different locations, different situations going. Right. There's wow, something not she's okay. that possessive. There's really something that's going on here. And and for someone to think that or feel that, you know, she'd burn the house down with them in it, that's pretty serious. Absolutely. That's that's pretty high on the creep level. Yeah. That that definitely means that her uh, needs were also being met from Travis. Like she may have the beginning of the relationship voiced out. Hey, I don't like you texting this girl. Hey, I don't like you doing that. That's not going to change Travis. He was brought into the church with these things that he's not going to change his ways overnight. That's going to take time. Even married couple in the church text each other or do DMs with other women. And it's okay. There's not a not trust thing. But I can see where that led to that rage and where it led to that probably look in her eye that friends were talking about. Yeah. So as time goes on a little bit more, they've now been dating about five months and Travis has had enough. And so he he breaks up with her. So most people, (laughs) when uh, somebody breaks up with them, they probably feel bad. They probably wish it wasn't so. They probably cry. They probably do a lot of things, but not Jody. I don't know. <laughs> what does Jody do now? No, wait, I have to say something really quick because okay. I was dating this cute, like I'm talking about way before I met my husband. I was dating this guy and we lived in different cities. And, you know, he wasn't, he was a busy man. He was also an engineer, always busy. Like he couldn't get to my text messages. So I'd be like, hey, how's your day going? Here's like the whole day's gone by. Meanwhile, I'm like checking my phone, checking my phone. Like, why hasn't he responded? Like, what the heck? Right. I was like Jody status. Right. You would think in my head, you know, and my friend, like my colleague, she was like one of my coworkers on the team. She goes, do we need to go out and slash this guy's tires? And I was like, bro, he hasn't (laughs) texted me in three hours. I don't think I need to slice anybody's tires. So that tells me a lot of things about other women, how they thought I thought I was crazy. No, that was crazy. Yeah. Why is that your first thought? Just because it's been a couple of hours, three days. Maybe but three hours, three wow. hours. Yeah. So anyway, so he breaks up with her and, you know, I know a lot of women that would act a certain amount of ways. Mm-hmm. What does Jody do? She decides to move to Mesa a few houses away. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'm going to keep it in. I'm going to wait for you to say it. I, you know, I've never seen that as a response. Babe, we're through. We're done. I want nothing more to do with you. It's done. It's over. Does you know, lose my number. Oh man, I really liked him. I know. I'm gonna move across the street. This is this why guys left me? Like they left the whole state. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just, just joking. <laughs> I you know I've never broken up with a guy and then Done. moved on his street. <laughs> no, that is creeper beyond creeper. Yeah. So yeah. So here she does. She moves a, f- a few houses away, and it was like, okay. So not only did she do that, okay. You know, Travis had had broken up with her and he was seeing another woman 
you know, that's that's what guys do when they they break up. It's like, okay, I break up with you. I'm on to something else. You know, hopefully they break up with you and then find someone else. But some more times than not, they find someone else and break up with you. But you know mm-hmm. how that goes. So it's like, okay, you know, you go ahead and break up and do that thing. What I wanted to mention, by the way, okay. too, before we go too crazy, was that I wanted to mention when we're talking about Travis and Jody's, like, you know, their background and kind of like who they were as people. I want, I forgot to mention this, is that Jody was only like 5'4", and she weighed 115 pounds. Travis, on the other hand, he was six foot from what I read, and he was a big, one eighty nine. So yeah, he was a tall guy, and he had uh, some weight on him compared to Jody. Some creepy one hundred fifteen pound, five four uh, height girl that moved right down the street is definitely creeper status. Oh uh, yeah, I would definitely have to echo that on the creeper status but you know so he broke up with her like millions of young men do with millions of young women and he went on and he was seeing someone else and i want to say i know he was seeing a courtney but i know there was another one and i just it's escaping me anyhow our friend decides that okay you've broken up with me so the next logical step would be to move from california to phoenix arizona Across the street, a couple, Marie. a couple houses down. Oh, was it Marie? Marie Hall. Okay, because I know, um, I think it was Courtney at first that he was seen. So you break up, you move a couple of houses down from him, you get all settled in. What's the next logical thing you do? Courtney lived in the neighborhood as well, so she'd sneak over to Courtney's house, hide in the bushes bang on the doors and windows, howl, scream, yell, just rant and just be a lunatic. Mm -hmm. And so Courtney was like, I've had enough of this crazy. Well, yeah, there was a time where they went out to dinner. I I believe it was with Courtney, actually. And when Travis got back to his car, he was going to, you know, open the door. He realized his tires were slashed to his BMW. What the freak? Yeah. And apparently she slashed his tires twice. So here's Courtney going, uh, this crazy woman beating on my windows and screaming at me. Um, I go out to dinner with my boyfriend and come out and the tires are slashed. You know, I just don't really know how much I want to date this guy because I'm getting kind of scared that until this, this other thing is handled, you know, I don't feel real safe. So their relationship didn't last that long. And while all this was going on, Travis reports to his friends that he knows he's gotten into his house or she's gotten into his house through the dog door. So now she's creeping around his house. How many people get broken up with a boyfriend, move on the same street, and are crawling around in his house through the dog door? Okay, this is not normal behavior. A lot of guys would tell you a lot of Mexican women. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what Mexican women do. I know they slash tires, but they would crawl through a dog door. I'm sure they would. Oh, my God. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Oh, I have in my notes Lisa. So there was a Courtney, and then there was a Lisa. And Marie was who uh, he was supposed to go with to Mexico, to Cancun. Right, right. I think he was the one that he was thinking he was going to marry. She was going to be the... The one. The, the, the Mormon girl for him. Sliced tires, banging on doors. It was crazy. So finally, after the tire slashing and the banging on the girlfriend's door and the sneaking in the dog door and all this other nonsense that she was doing, after it's now eight months... She just had his life in an uproar, you know, doing this crazy stuff. He finally 
convinces her this is probably not the place you want to be and this just isn't working he got her to move back to california and when she moved back he like told his friends he's like oh he was so excited he was getting his life back Mm -hmm. that's how much she tormented him that he was finally getting his life back but they were still talking and it was still going so i think this is a a great time for us to wrap up the the first episode and lead you guys to next week's episode so we can see how all this turns out yes now you guys got to know a little bit more background a little bit more questions you may have had or not had and if we didn't answer some of the questions you may have had you guys know what to do on how to get a hold of us and send those questions to us all right hit our website hit our hit our facebook page you know we have our own our own group. We have so a that number we can now. Just discuss all this stuff. Yeah, we have the number, which is also on the website and also on our Facebook page. But we have our own little discussion group now, so that we can talk about things and it's just amongst us. So if there's religious things that you have questions about or just things that that you want to know what's going on, just give us a holler, and we are more than happy to to answer those questions. And it's in a safe environment for you guys, in case you don't want to. You know, let your family know what kind of questions you're asking because you know how it, lo- it it does show up on your on your profile. So, well, we want to thank you guys again, and we are looking so forward to next episode so we can share a lot more of what's next to come. Yeah, with leave the- you guys hanging to see what really happened. So it's like we'll leave you with she moved back to California. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dun dun dun. <laughs> well, well, we look forward to talking to you guys next week and. We'll talk soon. We love hanging out with you guys and we will uh, catch up with you next week. So take care, be safe, be kind. Yes. Bye. Bye. Time for Crime is a podcast about true crime, prison life, and the opinions from the people who've worked on the inside. Please follow us and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcatching software. Help us get our voice out there. You can get more information about the podcast and this case at www.timeforcrime.net. Look for us on Twitter at Time for Crime one or on Facebook at Time for Crime Vanny Cat. Feel free to leave us a comment on our voicemail at 623-292-5871. We might even put your call on the podcast. Like it, love it, and share it, but please credit the hosts Vanessa Nunez and Kathy Delaney for their commitment to the podcast and service to the community. We'd like to send a special thanks to Nickel Nynth for the music in this podcast. We'd also like to thank Dave Kaiser and Peter Nynth for their support of the podcast and website. And most importantly, we'd like to thank you, the listener. Without you, we couldn't bring you this podcast. Take care, everyone.